Ooh, all right, we're on. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Slum Society Show. I am your nutritionist, as always, Connor Rhodes, and today I am joined by personal trainer, Will Hukin. Hello, everyone. Hello, sir. How, how are, are you? We? I'm well. How are you? I'm feeling really good. Good. I'm feeling really good, and I'm really glad to be speaking to you once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to say hello. It's been a while. It's been months. Do you start every podcast with a woo? Is that the... the is that the go-to intro? Um, not only podcasts, but also my live videos, yes, and I also don't know necessarily why I do that. Also conversations in real life, or? <laughs> Man, that'd be hilarious. You, get, you get into the, the checkout, she's like, would you like a bag? You're like, woo! You've got to start the show, show some, somehow, don't you? So I, just, <laughs> I just started with excitement, I'm ready, I'm up and after it. Good, as you should be, and because we're here to talk about fighting the epidemic not the um covid one but the obesity one aren't we and uh, how to control things and how to stay on top of things and not get super unhealthy at this time <laughs> those two things are kind of linked though aren't they because I, it, yeah excessively i'd say it is a health pandemic overall yeah and it is a negative and it's not necessarily nice to bring up but it is technically our job to bring it up um obesity and higher bmis is a Negative correlation, isn't it, with COVID outcomes? It's th these two things do not go well together overall, on average, no. shall we say? Everybody already knows this. Everybody already knows this. I was telling my people about it, and the people who follow um, my Slum Society Facebook page about the obesity and BMI correlations with COVID being worse if you catch it so early that people were commenting on my Facebook page, calling me out for. I can't remember exactly what they termed it. I don't know, um, but fear-mongering, one person said. Ah. Like, like I'm trying to, like I was making this up to try and make money. As opposed to telling the truth? Yes, I was just looking at the studies. Nice. Everybody else finds out Reiterated that, information. Everybody else finds out that, well, I'm not in, in a scientist in the laboratories. Am I doing mm. these flipping studies? But I am a disseminator of information, and I do try and teach people what I find out. A delegator of information. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I know. Um, and I, I was seeing these studies coming out and I just feel like it's my duty to tell people about this and people who follow my Facebook page or are listening to this podcast, they care about their health and fitness at least to some level. And that's the thing, I find it's hard to catch people on the hook of wanting to talk about it, wanting to start making any kind of health improvement a goal, but it's such a, a thing that compounds and compounds the more you do it. Like you, you can't describe, to explain to someone all the benefits of that kind of stuff until they've started doing it because you've got to do it and feel it for yourself like and i'm not even talking about tangible benefits that you can see and you know like physical benefits like mental or just yeah physical but still just things you can't see like how you feel in yourself and this that and the other and i find that once people hit that kind of snowball of that and start realizing like oh it's actually nice to be healthy that's when it starts making more sense to them and hope that's i guess yeah what our job is isn't it is to do that enough until it hits everyone <laughs> Yeah, some people have, um, this is common with people who come to see me, they've been unhealthy for so long, they don't know what it feels like to be healthier maybe, and they, yeah. don't, they don't know how good they could feel. And this is it, it's like, I guess it's like um, an astronaut explaining like how good it is to be in space, like there's just, what's the reference point that they can give us to understand that, like in its same, vice versa, like they don't, they would exercise once the first time and hate it and obviously you have a completely different time to when say you train you've been training long enough now that you're good at it people like what they're good at so you want to train makes sense doesn't it i want um, to train a little bit but still not always not really like I'd, i've trained legs this morning and i didn't want yeah to. But that's what i'm saying you regardless of the 
like overwhelmingly you do want to do it because when was the last time you missed it I only want to do it for the outcome exactly for the actual training and that's what I mean you can but you're good at it you don't hate it anymore kind of thing like you never don't do it do you no but I want my legs to be more muscular I don't want to do the training if, okay. they, if they were more muscular on their own or actually that is something that I've always found interesting about you is that you don't actually particularly enjoy, enjoy training no I don't like training yeah no I've never liked it um, I don't like a lot of training I don't like bodybuilding training I like that more than, I know you more like more strength training. I really, really don't like that. Like we were saying um, before the show, you were saying you, you do one rep max, two rep max on squats, so you're squatting as heavy as you can. I've never done anything less than six reps in my entire life. <laughs> and it scares me to do that. I don't I don't think that's a good idea that's for me. That's just some of it, not that I know about this, but there's something fun about being strong. Uh, I've, I've heard, yeah, again, that's not from my mouth, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just no. You definitely are strong. Like you told me yesterday, you were squatting twice your own body weight. I guess relatively. Exactly. We don't need to talk about the raw weight. <laughs> <laughs> we still s- heavy. Way heavier than I could do. We scoot past that. Fifty percent more than I could do. Well, definitely. That does make sense. It's what I train to do, so I'll take that. I'd be embarrassed if it was less. <laughs> After spending years of tailoring it to be stronger, <laughs> that'd be bad, wouldn't it? So when people say like, "You make it look so easy," it's like, "Well, it's literally my job. If I walked into your job and was better than you at it, you'd be pissed off, wouldn't you?" <laughs> oh, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. I said, I was like, "Everyone's got to yesterday. start somewhere." I said that to a lady yesterday. She said, "Oh, you make it look easy." I'm like, showing her how to do. I'm presents. employed to make it. You're paying me money to make it look easy. Yeah, it gives you confidence. Yeah, to make it look yeah. easy. If I make it look awful, and <laughs> I'm supposed to be good. Could you me. imagine? And this is how you do it, and then you shit your spleen out and snap your spine. And that's confident boosting in it. Oh god, awful. Perfect technique. Awful. Um, no, I'm, I only exercise purely for the outcomes. I want to be in shape, feel good about myself, and be able to eat nice food. So to do that, I have to think. Right, what do I want to do? What do I have? To, what do I have to do? Uh, well, and that's the thing as well that I find with a lot of the a lot of people that are approaching. Usually, it's fat loss. Is that they think that the the sort of vehicle that's going to get them there is just the most painful ugly paved road ever that's just going to hurt them and shit because they don't understand like that it isn't because they're looking people it is though because they're looking at it as a as like but yeah yeah, but because I I guess a lot of the time you see people come into it with the approach of well they come at it with the wrong mindset of I'm starting a diet and then that comes with the inevitability of ending a diet as opposed to finding this kind of equilibrium where you just walk in the you just kind of walk in the line between self-indulgence and self-management to just micro fluctuate your weight up and down so that you never gain or lose weight you just constantly fluctuate in around maintenance is like the goal to get to isn't it oh yeah that's the goal so that you're not sacrificing on any quality of life on anything that you want to eat you just you've and that's the problem is because people don't understand that that is possible they think that it's just misery or like is in you either have to have to be miserable in your diet and your food and your life and look how you want to look or vice versa they don't think that it can also it can all collide you know what i mean i know i think exa- that's a hard people thing to prove to people initially i know exactly what you mean and it's our job to show people how mm. to do that isn't it but i also i'm going to defend people Please. who feel like that to you because i know why they feel like that and it makes perfect sense because people are scared to join my fat loss program people tell me all the time oh before i joined i was so scared and it's not going to be awful for them. I'm going to start them where they're at. We're just going to... And <coughs> Sorry. And that's it. It's because you're good at what you do. Like, you know what... Like, we got Yeah. I got tickled in the throat. Sorry. <laughs> it's um, allowed. <laughs> yeah. And then we're just going to start moving them forward. Yeah. Steadily. From where bit, they start. 
yeah, from where they are right now, so it's not going to be awful at all, but it's it's right of them, and I don't blame them, to think that it's going to be awful, because every single dieting experience they've had in the past has, has been, been awful. awful yeah. It's been awful, yeah, because they've, because chosen, of, like they've chosen the Cambridge diet. Yeah. All food cancelled, 500 calories a day, supplements only. And that's you what I'm saying, like so death, your right? approach of, of, well, you know, the the correct approach just, hel- just healthier eating and good habit change overall exactly. yeah much much steadier but then they've also done slimming world and that was awful because they had to stand in front of a group and then get weighed and then people judge you and they've also done this where you cut out carbs and they've tried to cut just this other awful thing and some they had this other personal trainer who was just beasting them all the time and that wasn't working anyway and you know, oh that bullshit don't sell me on that so when so when people think, oh, what is this going to be like? Like your brain's a future predicting mechanism. When people think, if this, then what? If I do this diet, then what will it be like? How do they come to these conclusions? It's from past experience. Every single other past experience they've had has been goddamn terrible. So when they come and they expect it to be terrible, I think part of my job is to reassure them that it won't be. And then when they get started, this is part of the reason why I have a flipping two-week free trial. So if people are like, oh, I don't know, I'm like, well, you can just try it if you want mm-hmm. and just see how it is. And then people are like, oh, once they get started, you're exactly right. They think, oh, really? This is not that bad. It doesn't actually have to be awful. This can fit into my lifestyle and go well. And then I loved what you said before as well, when you said it becomes like a snowball, where I always say to people on my program, if it's going right, you won't even want to stop because you'll be feeling better. Every time you lose a pound, you should feel better. We're eating more different foods. You've got less stomach ache. You're lighter on your feet. Your knees are not hurting as much. You're sleeping better. You're waking up better. And, got- and it's literally from every angle. I mean, there's the, the physical effect of seeing yourself looking better, that knocks on to mental effect. There's the mental effect of having better food in you. There's the gut effect of having better food in you. There's just everything about just health is wealth. <laughs> and yeah, you can just feel it in you, can't you? You can just feel the sort of, and I imagine as well, like, yeah, if you've come from a place of like of being unhealthy kind of thing, like I guess like how I've had a time off over the last couple of months and stuff, or like when I stopped cycling kind of things, you know, you know, where you feel like shit and then you start eating well, exercising well, this, that and the other, the contrast is mental, isn't it? It is, it really is. It's, it's the difference in looking after your body versus not looking after yeah. your body, isn't it? Your body requires certain foods, it requires nutrients, good rest, it requires movement as well. The body's made to move. It performs better, it feels better, it lives longer, it functions way better. Your body's like a car that if you drive it, it improves itself. Yeah, crazy. It's yeah, like it's crazy. Self-training, isn't Yeah, it? it's a crazy self-improving biological vehicle that all you've got to do to make it amazing is just use it. And if you if you left a car in the garage for 20 years and then didn't move it much or use it and then you got no. it out, wouldn't you expect it to work well? No. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Who it's, knew? It's a biological vehicle, but much more magical in some ways as well. And especially, like, obviously this is something I'm biased towards, but I the mechanical health, I don't think people value enough, close enough to like fat loss or something like um, that kind of health is the yeah the mechanical health behind how much muscle you've got on you how strong you are how mobile you are you know just how physically able your body is as opposed to just like having a good um, level of body fat on it as well you know oh, so yeah so not only aesthetic goals but it's also important to just look well <laughs> not, it's not important to look well but you know the, the well, thing, I, mean, I, mean, I mean the thing is like people the people that look well, there's a reason that we're psychologically designed to be more attracted to them. It's because it's it's healthy. It's it is, um, you know, like it's the the more optimal way that a person can be, and it is 
yeah, that it's the way the body's designed to be functioning at its best. It's like no bugs, no viruses, no, you know, if it was a computer or anything like that, no bugs, no viruses, perfectly charged all the time and just, you know, well ticked over. Like that's a nice place to be. That's what makes you feel good. And it's a, it's like it's that feedback loop, isn't it? That's where your body wants to be in homeostasis. It's nice there, it's comfortable, it's healthy. So that feedback loop needs to be positivity to try and keep you there, doesn't it, kind of thing. As opposed, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I was going to say, and I was going to agree with you, I was going to say some people like to look well, but it's also important to feel good, yes. move good, be healthy. And yes, you are right. There are, there are sort of like biological reasons why if somebody is more muscular or in better shape or has better skin quality or something, that is, I don't know, some kind of signal from what maybe their internal health would be like on like an outward yeah. level. But it all, it all goes in together. I... I like it when people get all different types of wins in different places. You'll really like this one. I was talking to a lady earlier today, literally, and before she before she started my program and losing weight, etc., etc., she couldn't get down onto the floor. Oh, mad! And then get back, get up. back up. Yeah. yeah, she'd gotten down once onto the floor and gotten stuck, and then was really upset about this mm -hmm. and then had an anxiety about going down onto the floor and never really did it ever again like even at the beach never going and sitting down on the beach or anything and wouldn't be able to get back up which just compounds but she but she's walk she can walk long distances and now she can and now um now she's lost weight and great health and then i, I said to her oh, we should do some she said oh my lower back's feeling tight i said oh well come on video call with me and we'll do some stretching and she said, I'm really embarrassed to say this, but I think if I get down onto the floor, I can't get back up. And I said, mm, I'm not sure about that, you know, because uh, I think, mm, just try it for me. And then she, she got down and then got back up. Oh, and she said, this has changed her life and she can't believe it. And was this after it. a certain amount of weight loss or something? Or was this yeah, three stone weight loss. Awesome. Yeah, so she's lost weight, eating better, moving more. Now she can do a good step count. I knew she'd be able to get down and back up because she can walk like 15,000 steps a day. Oh, this is it, I'm like, yeah. you've got, you know, legs are not awful. There's like, if you had terrible knee problems, I understand, or really hard or hip problem yeah because you do but you develop like how long you've been in the industry the amount of reference points you have in the back of the head that you don't even think about they're just part of your brain now you can kind of just tell when sometimes when people can and can't do something and i know i do it with clients like i i'm constantly reinventing the wheel to fit the specificities of an individual client and i'd argue half the time it would take me far longer to figure out why my brain has presented this as the best option for that client like the actual mechanics the biology the physiology of it why that's better for them it'd take me longer to figure out why than just to know that it's better your brain kind of just jumps that step sometimes and just is like ah, you can do that and like and then yeah if you feed that to people and they, they believe it then yeah that's like half half the job done right there isn't it yeah. I understand, yeah, because there's probably a lot of variables that goes into whether somebody can or can't do something. There's like their bodily structure, there's their yeah. injuries, there's their movement at each joint, there's their strength, there's their flexibility, there's their mobility, there's this, there's that, there's the other thing exactly. as well. But after you've seen somebody move and maybe you've seen them do one or two exercises, we know what the logical progressions are. If you can do that and that, then mm. you can do this. Exactly, exactly yeah. yeah. Like, that's so the it's thing. probably just an accumulation of all these things. You've yeah, it's like drawing the perspective from all the other things that you've seen in that, in the in your, in your your years of, of work and that and then just applying it I guess yeah yeah and then also like I was talking to a client yesterday on the phone and we had an interesting conversation and th this is kind of bringing me back to what I was saying about controlling the controllables mm -hmm. which is 
only what you should ever be doing because the other you just can't control things that aren't that you can't control. Um, but this client of mine was saying, obviously, there's no real distinction between our brains now and how they function and how they did when we were cavemen. And the only real 100%. anxieties that we had to consider then were food, water, shelter, and protection. Yep. And they, that was it. Yep. And now we've just got things that aren't even tangible, like that don't even actually you know, physically exist, they just float about in the air on our phones, that we hold so much anxiety with and so much, you know, just stress that we just, we're not, you're not biologically designed to deal with. And at the minute, those stresses are high in some ways, but if you can start thinking, apply a bit of rationale to it and think that, yes, it's stressful that I can't work, yes, it's stressful that I'm stuck at home, whatever, but what does that actually present like as a pos- as a opportunity for me? What obstacle does that put in the way that can become, you know, the answer, as it were, that you can then follow? And that is, you know, you've, like you say, you've got more time. You, you can start focusing more on these anxieties and fix them and control the controllables and the things that you've got time to control now, like going out for a walk, like spend a week just counting calories with no even particular aim of trying to reduce them, maybe err on the side of caution, but just with the goal of recording for the sake of education so that the week after that you can then apply it. You know, yeah, just habit building. We've got time to think that how often have you had a client with a conversation that's go do this and it's just and it, it is a valid enough excuse, but and that's that they're just too busy, they're like work on and kids and this and that and the other. And it's like, all right, well what do you have on now? <laughs> Now's your time. Now you've got time to do these things now for the most for a lot of people. So um yeah, everybody eats. Don't they? Everybody eats. It doesn't matter how busy you are, you ate something. Especially if you're... This is it, yeah. You yeah can, especially if you're I mean, overweight. You're I'm telling something. you to do less than you're already doing, is, is, is what I always tell clients as well. Like, I'm like, well, because you, you know, I was eating, and it's hard because of this. I was like, okay, but you have eaten today. And they're like, well, yeah, of course. And I'm like, okay, so all I'm asking you to do is to do less than that already. So whatever you're eating, even if you don't have the time and the practicalities to eat make it healthy, it. <laughs> fucking bin off for it. Save the rest for tomorrow. I don't care. Just eat less you know, like, all I'm telling you to do is the same thing that you did today, and now less of it. <laughs> See, that's a good, that's a smart That's smart habit change, isn't it? It's seeing what the problems in the client's lives are yeah. and then yeah. sort of changing them around. Like, I agree, I had a, I had a um, client conversation the other day with a lady. She um, she is literally so busy. She's literally so busy. And that's the real thing. For some people, it's true. Yeah. yeah, this lady's got university on. She also works at the hospital full-time. She's also got kids. She's also got horses. She's also volunteering. Jesus. Yeah, she's also volunteering to... Covid jab people extra time like at work to give people injections and she's Wonder Woman or what? What's going on? Essentially, yes. yes. <laughs> Essentially, yes. I mean, hardcore, isn't it? Hardcore. So she, so she said to me, "Oh, I'm at work. I've just got to do this. I haven't got time to meal prep. I can't freaking take all this stuff to work and do all this kind of stuff. I'm just having to." And, and this is a phrase people often say: "Just grab something." They say, mm. "I'm just having to quote unquote grab something." So I said, "Okay, what did you grab?" And she said, "I grabbed a cheese sarmi." A, um, a fizzy pop and some crisps. Yeah. So then I suggested a similar thing to what you just suggested. I said, well, it's not taking any different time or affecting much differently. If Go to j- a different shop or anything. No, if we j- grabbed a cheese sarnie, a water and an apple. Look at that. That'd be a nice start, That's nice, wouldn't right? it? Yeah, because yeah. she was also complaining she's getting headaches. I'm th- My first thought is maybe dehydration. She's rushing around everywhere. She's also wearing a mask a lot of the time, I'm imagining. True. That dehydrates you. So I'm thinking we'll get some water in there. We'll choose an apple, that's less calories, maybe 70 rather than 230 mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. 
and a bit better for your energy level. Still have a cheese sarnish. You can have a cheese sarnish. There's nothing wrong with that. This is it. Just, just, just small habit changes. Yeah, and that's the thing is is quickly getting used to that idea of just there's there's nothing wrong with anything. And there's nothing good about anything. It's just the... There's some good things about some... <laughs> there's nothing good about anything. <laughs> Everything's shit. You know, it's just everything has its place. And That's true. a specific quantity that makes it either good or bad kind of thing. All right. And your job I'll is give to you that one. figure that out. And, and you know... <laughs> but yeah, no, nothing good about anything. Everything's shit. <laughs> but yeah, and then, and then I think that comes down to... Like... Because now, it, it, again, assuming... And I'm speaking to the people that do have more time on their hands now, like you know that practically you can start doing these things. Now is your time, and you can and you can start rebuilding kind of some positive things in your life. All the things that a lot of people want to do on their subconscious, like have a to-do list, like an actual physical to-do list, and get through it, mm. or have this goal for today and go and do that. Get out for a walk before work, not with a dog because you have to walk the dog, but just because you know you want to uh, have to to aid your weight loss or something now is the kind of time where you can start also using that to piggyback and work on your kind of um organizational skills i guess and your you kind of how you plan your day because you've just if you've got an empty day right now the, you know the human psychology needs routine and and structure to be able to deal and now it's up to you to do that yourself. So what I'm kind of getting down the idea of is combining that idea of controlling your controllables and stuff, but almost considering it like a full-time job and trying to apply it into your actual practical time in your day, split it up. You know, how, how easy is it to avoid a goal that's aloof, like I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to exercise this week. It's so non-specific and easy to blow over versus if I say to myself, I'm gonna leave this podcast I'm going to put my phone down, go home and, um, and a train or something at this time, put a time on it, a place, you know, that all of a sudden starts to become an actionable plan. So you can start combining these things, create a routine for yourself and that'll snowball into nice things as well. And then you will just find if you start doing these things, say like, yeah, you start a little to-do to list for tomorrow, you're going to write on it. I'm going to get up and go for a walk at this time. I'm going to eat this meal at this time. I'm gonna have burnt this many calories by this time, and by the end of the day, da 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 da. da. All of a sudden, that's not something that you can skip over and then feel good about or or forget about because if at seven in the morning you aren't at where you said you were to start that walk, you'll feel bad about it, and maybe you will miss it, but you'll feel bad about it. And that's the point: is that feedback of having feeling a bit of guilt or something, or ideally just getting up and doing it because you put a time to it, and then slowly just letting that evolve. You've mentioned too many good points for me to hit all them. Sorry, sorry that was a ramble, wasn't it? No, it, it wasn't a ramble. You had a lot of good points from about flipping 15 minutes ago that I can't hit on. One of the, one of the things I liked what you said ages ago was um, about the stressors thing in your life and what, mm. what sort of stress we're biologically primed for. That is, that's, that's something that I love and really interested in. One yeah. of my favourite quotes is, nothing makes sense in biology except in light of evolution. So if you want to know nice. why something is the way it is now, look, look, back. Back, yeah, look back to other times. And what you described there is one of Charles Darwin's other theories, which is not the theory of evolution, one of his other theories called mismatch theory. And it's, it's less famous, but it's amazing in my opinion. I love thinking about it. There's a book somewhere on my bookshelf... Um, about it you don't read 
clearly not enough because I've forgotten <laughs> what, what the title of the book is. Um, I wish I could help. It's, I, I, it's called The Story of the Human Body by, I think, Daniel Lieberman. I can't see it. And on it's this. what, quoting Darwin? It's a... I can't see it on this bookshelf. Okay. Um, but it's, yeah, a large part of it is about mismatch theory. And it's about how most of our problems that we experience in life today are due to us not having a body that's set up for the world that we're in. We're like how, for it. Like how we need glasses or like how, I don't know, we get cancers, but that's because we live longer than, yeah. we, than we, not, it's obviously to do with many other things, but that's one of the reasons, including like Alzheimer's and stuff. These things didn't used to exist in the past. I mean, that's just, long enough. Your, your body, that is your body stopping working. Slowly, Because yeah, we're not ways. meant to live that long. No, no, well, we've never have done before. I mean, it's the who to say type thing is we haven't in the past, but, yeah, but the environment wasn't correct. So I know what you mean. It's not that because then you start getting down that rabbit hole of a whole different philosophical question of playing God type thing of like, is is a human's lifespan exactly? Should a human's lifespan be what it was designed to be like um, with no external input, or is a human's sort of cognitive function inherent and like so human as it is that that then becomes like the expectation of humanity is is that we're to supersede what we should be able to do if that makes sense yeah that's hilarious and that's just like is it like should you just be be what we were born to be kind of thing or is our function as these these weird bags of flesh and bone that have briefly maintained consciousness and have the biggest brain or something is 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 that a responsibility to then you know dive into the depth of what can be achieved with life yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Another but that is nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> no, but I like it. Um, I like it. You reminded me of another quote, which is the that humans are the sex organs of the machine world. And <laughs> oh, you bitch! Why'd you text? <laughs> that, that we are only here to create the next thing. Create the machines. Yeah, to create the machi- to create the machines. We're here to ruin things for the next generation. Yeah. Um, Sorry, lads. maybe. Because it's strange to think about, isn't it? Because humans have been, we've been grown by the earth. It's, we're not, we are not not natural. We are natural because mm-hmm. we came from the earth and therefore everything we do is also natural. So the, this, this series, even creating machinery, this is nature. And that's it, it's, it's, the, it's the blurred lines of it all. It's, it? a na- it's nature progressing. Because then it's, it's looking at um, a badger den and saying, is that natural or not? Yeah, or a bee, um, like a, a bee, a beaver's den, or um, something like a beaver's dam, or something in a river. Yeah, that's like, a good point. Is that like a building, like a building that, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, is that was, natural, or what's, what's I good? was thinking like a beehive structure, or because we don't have, we have <laughs> our perceptions are either natural or man-made. We don't have beaver made, do we? <laughs> like, what does that go into? <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. And things that are man-made are still natural <coughs> because it was made by man and man is nature. And that's it. It's So then when does it become an actual issue is the thing because you can just, you can ride that logic until you ride in like, like tanks into space because you've developed that technology. <laughs> it's natural, lads. I'm just, I was born with it. Let's go. And you just, where do you draw the line? It could become extreme. Could yeah, it, yeah, it, could yeah. Be, it could become like the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Where it's humans. Or it's like it's natural that I've downloaded my brain into a computer. It's just what I was born to do. Yeah, because you could think. Well, I was thinking about the what's what's the agent guy in the Matrix called? Smith. A- agent Smith is it? It's fucking Lord. Course, I mean, of course he's called. It's agent Lord Elrond to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's Lord Elrond to me. I don't know what fair, he's doing. Fair, fair, fair. Makes no sense what he's doing. He's Lord CGI in um, in Matrix. Is what he is. <laughs> he's Lord plasticine face. Um, what about him? He says in the Matrix that humans are like a virus. 
Yeah. And you could see humanity as like a mole taking over an apple. What I would argue is the difference that humans, the difference in the way that humans um, have developed our ideas about what humanity is, is just the perception of the fact that we are humans. We're the ones analysing ourselves and you just can't remove the bias from that. So, you know, it's such a a loophole that you're lost in because, I mean, even from the point of view of, like, I love, I love the kind of, like, I would, if I had to, if someone was to say, am I spiritual or anything, I'd say no, but I like the idea of being, like, a progressionist, but I also like the idea, and to that that end, of being, like, really sort of passive about my opinions on things because I know that in this cosmic little universe that exists and I just don't know and I'm such a just such a blip in it, and I've got a human brain, and I'm 21 years old, and I live in Sheffield, England. All these specifics that boil down to the minutia that is me. How can I expect to have a good perception about anything that isn't directly related to just me here now that I am in control of kind of thing? So you, you kind of I, I feel like you've got to kind of zoom out and look at things a little bit more, and and just not be fixed about things and be able to progress, and, and you know what I mean. I don't know where I was going with that, but... <laughs> no, I do know what you mean. I like what you said about human brain bias as well. well like yeah, that. I don't know. Just th- there's, There will just never be a possibility for, for us to have a perception on something that isn't human. And that is inherently a problem because we're the biggest problem on the planet, I'd argue, you know? Yeah, it depends what you class as a problem, doesn't it? Because, again, the Earth grew us, didn't is it? it as, I mean, what's that a problem for? It's not a problem for me. <laughs> it's not a problem for me. It's a problem for me tomorrow. Or These are just the interesting Earth. questions, aren't they? It depends just... It always depends which way you look at it, doesn't it? And, and that's what I'm saying is that you can't... Even if you think you're, you're being... You're getting perspective from other people, it's still filtered. If you tell me about a holiday that you went on, I've only got my perception of what you're telling me. If you tell me that you went to America, I'm picturing the time that I went to America. Yeah. You know, I can't ever step out of my brain. Yeah. Which is scary, but yeah, I don't know, it's weird. There's no real conclusion to any of these things because there've been questions that people have been trying to answer for friggin' years, centuries, you know. It's like da 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 and then it just dra- trails off. There's no conclusion to it. Yeah, I teach something about food to people that's along a similar line though, which which I think is quite interesting. Let's bring it back to food. Um, nice. I'm always able to bring the talk back to nutrition. Um, <laughs> You're just a fact I'm a, master heart, of the, I'm the master of the segue and if there's no segue available, I don't give a shit. I'll just bring it up. Just bring, yeah. I'll just straight just bring it up. <laughs> I just like talking about it. it okay. um, and your point was? My point was that one of the things I teach people about the brain and body relationship is that you've got to not listen to your brain too much sometimes because it think, it, it tells you that it's in charge, but there's more going on than just the brain. Like the brain, for example, loves junk food, loves it. You get dopamine hit, you get serotonin, the brain thinks it's fucking great. You taste it, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. This your, must be good for me. Your body hates it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your body hates it, but your brain's like, do it again. <laughs> But that's because that's the only one that can talk. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the only organ that's got a voice. Your stomach could go, what the fuck? What are you doing to us again? Yeah, like, listen, dickhead. Yeah. Your liver's You're upset. Like, do you know why I was sick yesterday? Your insulin levels Don't do it are again. angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, mental. That's the, your brain's the one that it tells you that it's in charge. Yeah, and that's why I, I really like the facts behind the nutrition, the bio, whatever it is, because then you can start rooting yourself in 
logistics as opposed to the running away with your brain kind of thing like and yes. just trusting what it's giving you because if like you know the facts behind like for example i can't think of a but it's kind of like when i'm with a client and say we want to test something say they've lifted something heavy and they're like do i try heavier and then i kind of run through them like like logically we know the worst case scenario you're good with your technique there's nothing unsafe about it if you aren't strong enough and you fail it it will be because of a strength restriction not a technique restriction because you're more proficient than you are strong which is the way around you should be so that the strength is the thing you're testing and then worst case scenario you just don't shift it and it lands back where it started like it's like as soon as you can ground yourself in the reality and know what's going on you can kind of override that conscious mm, chocolate's nice you know as soon as you can start and obviously everyone knows chocolate's not good for you but i'm talking the specifics because i've said like calories because people love to you'll have heard it oh yeah no i just need to eat less calories but Already, you can probably pick up a few things wrong with that sentence, I just need to eat less calories. No, you specifically need to eat this many less calories and that will equal this much weight loss. And if that's the weight loss that you want, grand. If not, reevaluate kind of thing. But that it needs that specificity because numbers are, you know, it starts at one for a reason. They're not ethereal and interchangeable, they're exact. If you're not in an exact calorie deficit, because you haven't figured out the logistics and you don't know the calories in a chocolate bar, you don't know what's going on when you're doing that, you can't expect to be on top of it. You need to have this education and this foresight going in so that the subconscious brain can't just be like, nope, no facts, it doesn't matter, I'll just create my own little reality around this, do you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, because there's two parts to the brain, isn't there? There's a back, well, there's many parts in it. I've only got one. Well, <laughs> it explains a lot. It explains a it lot. Does, this it? podcast makes a lot more sense to all the listeners suddenly. They're like, oh, that's why he's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but largely, people have two parts of the brain. There's the back part, and that's for instinct and emotion. Mm-hmm. And there's the front part, which is for logic, thinking. That's patterns, my one part. <laughs> <laughs> deductive reasoning. Um, I'm not good at it, though. You know, rational thinking, yeah. stuff like this. Children only have the back part. The front part, your prefrontal cortex, yeah, only finishes developing when you're age 25. So this is why children will scream in public with no care. Yeah, they don't. They've got no thought of if what will happen if this, and you know, thinking things through. They run purely or on emotion. Yeah, it gets less and less as you get older, but you you run more on emotion as a child. Then what what it's like as an adult, and this is interesting for people to understand. Sometimes it helps them. Is the instinct and emotion side, the screaming child inside you doesn't stop. You just get two thought patterns or streams of thought instead. Wait, the, 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 you know, this child always says, eat the chocolate, nah. it's nice, or call in sick at work, even though you're not ill, or fucking lash out at this person, call him a dick. You know, you know all this stuff. Yeah. It, it always does that. But then you've got another side, another thought pattern. Well, it's like, a, that's why the angel little devil on your shoulder thing is an analogy that says, but... If I call in sick, then fucking hell, I've already done that once, yeah. and they're going to start yeah. asking questions, and this is not going to go well, and then I'm going to get fired, so we're going to have to fall Yeah, it's when you start weighing up things, isn't it? Yeah, so that, that's what it's like, isn't it? It's a bad- Like I was saying, like, you have every time decided that you want to train, when you've stacked no, up... No, I'm going to do it anyway. No, when, you, no when you've stacked up all the... If I do do this, when you've sucked up all that you've decided that you, all things considered, want to train. The pain involved in training versus the results it yields. Okay, yeah, this is coming Profitable down to the return. semantics of the word want now. 
Uh, see, that's where I don't have the the non-logical part of the brain. <laughs> because I'm thinking I, I do it even though I still don't want to do it. It's nothing to do with willpower that I train. It's pure determination. It's not... I never really get the feeling, oh, I would like to exercise now. See, because I, I usually never. get jazzed up about training. Like, when I'm I like... I never do, but I always do When it it's anyway. getting to around 10, 10 in the morning, and I know I've only got, like, a client or two left in the morning before it's my turn to train, I'm sort of thinking, like, all right, yeah, what's, what's going on? That's good. But again, that I would argue that that is because of the specific the specificity that I have in my training like I know going into a session that I have have to squat this for this many reps and that tangible goal some people if like it's something stamps, if you like that you yeah, like that if it's something that you uh, can rationalize and it, and it isn't something that isn't healthy for you like like there are definitely people that are so obsessed with getting as strong as they can be that they run it into the ground and hurt themselves you know but if mm-hmm. you can I, like I'm saying, apply rationale to it and do it properly. Like I was saying with you, I didn't just jump in and hit that one five five. It was incremental over the weeks, over four weeks leading up to it. You know, like if you're not a dickhead about it, then yeah, you should be grand. Uh, he says sat here with back pain at the minute <laughs> from heavy squats. Moving on from that, from heavy squats. No, from poor posture. <laughs> really? Well, I'm just all thrown, thrown out of work. That's what you get with scoliosis and everything. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Fixing I, to tell you the truth, for me, what it's been is like still. Um, it, it's just just inactivity of of lockdown. Like my busiest week was the that I've had in my five years of business was the first week of this year. Yay! And obviously that came with yeah, like six clients a day or something, and then just stretching in between all of them, like my hip flexors, just stretching in between all of them for like five minutes, walking around for. 12 or more hours a day, all of that, and now just nothing. Sat down all day in a hip flex position. My lower back's just fucked. It's just given up. You need to stretch more. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just not doing it at the minute. Yeah, get out for walks and stuff. Stay yeah. Active. yeah. Yeah. I, I always work from home. Um, so I've uh, built yep. in decent habits. Like I never sit in the same one chair for more than an hour or two maximum. Uh, and I'll sit on the floor nice. for a while, then I'll sit in a different chair. Yeah, it's definitely good compartmentalise. It's nice that you've got your gym in a separate room as well. Yeah. at your place so that you can bog off there and have a different environment to yeah, train. Yeah, it really helps. I've collected equipment over lockdown, yeah, where now I've got enough stuff to do pretty much everything pretty pretty well, to be honest. Yeah. I make sure if I'm talking to somebody on the phone, I go out for a walk then if the weather is not absolutely awful. Even if it's light rain or something, I'll still go. Um, it's quite nice outside, I'll it? just wrap up warm. Yeah, it's quite nice. Um, and I do a lot of stretching mm. as well um, and a lot of fidgeting mm-hmm. as well just to to try and keep myself moving, but it is difficult, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's a th- but again, that's the thing is all these things that you've done are because you know the whether you want to call it science or whatever it is, the reason behind it. Like, you know, let me ask you this why don't you sit in one chair all day? Because my knees and back and hips will feel awful. Cool, so there's a reason, and I'm, I'm yeah. whether you verbalize that or knew it in the, the no, front of your yeah. brain or whether it was always subconscious whatever but it's usually uh, okay and then like why do why do you um why do you go out for a walk when you talk to people on the phone um a lot of reasons mental and physical health you could sum it down to i suppose exactly so you've weighed up you've gone indoors i'm i'm not i might not i'm not going to get outside if i'm indoors and that's not going to be as nice in my head yeah. i'm also not going to i'm just going to be sat down and doing nothing not burning calories when i'm talking to this client what's the point I'll go outside, but it's yeah. you've only been able to get to that position because you know yeah. you have educated yourself to know that know that going outside is healthy for you specifically as well as just generally, and that you're going to be burning 
XYZ amount of calories and the relevancy of just going for a walk because so many people will be like, well, a walk, what? I'm not going to burn calories. I need to go for a walk, run. I can't do that when I'm talking to a client. But if you know that that isn't the best idea and that going for a walk is probably the best idea because it's so maintainable and repeatable daily. Yeah, sometimes I have two <coughs> two, two phone calls a day, maybe yeah. one hour each, two hours exactly. of walking a day. You were talking about a lady earlier who couldn't get off the floor and could still walk for probably like two hours grand just yeah. going. Exactly. Like She could get off the floor. She just thought she could. Exa- that exactly. Was, that was the moral of the It's story. always something you, you, you can do it, you know. You can do it and it's just... It's knowing the yeah, because I get it with clients who who will be perhaps sometimes ask like, oh well, is is this good? Because it's a similar principle, it's a similar idea to what you've said that that this is that this other thing's good. And I'm like, no, because of the specificity, and that's what people don't consider is they, they're thinking a little too generally as opposed to zooming in and thinking like, okay, well, if I go for a walk at this pace and go for this distance in Sheffield with this much elevation download Strava, figure out whatever the distance is, how many calories are you burning? Cool. You can start allowing that into your daily routine then as, as to what you've allowed to then eat. And then you come home, you monitor calories a little bit at home. You know, you do this for a little bit of time and then you're starting to figure out what kind of a lifestyle is going to um, provide the kind of physical and mental results that you're looking for. But it always starts with that education because you just, you just can't go in blind. You can only drive a car if you know how to drive a car, you know? <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something now, and the podcast listeners may not like it because I think I've flipping mentioned this three or four podcasts in a row. Melt the brains, well, that's, but probably a reason why. <laughs> yeah, w- number one is I don't care. This is <laughs> this is ridiculously number important. Number two, it's my fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I got done one. <laughs> this is ridiculously important information. So yeah, I'm just gonna say it again. Um, there's three prerequisites and requirements to long-term successful habit-changing humans. Mm-hmm. One of them is education. Mm-hmm. Another one is autonomy. Mm-hmm. And the third one is support, basically. What External I support. Yeah. yeah. What I mentioned on the last podcast is really the words are, it's ABC, it's autonomy, belonging, and competence. Autonomy means people need to have control over their own goal. They need to understand it's their health, it's their body, it's their movement, it's their life. No one's going to come to put the right foods into your mouth. You have to actually do mm-hmm. it. For any goal in life, if it's your financial situation, it's your money, you have to spend it right, you have to earn the money, you have to get a job, you have to do this, you have to do that, it's it's your thing, that's number one. B though is for belonging, the second thing is after you do have control over it and you're doing it on your own and you've got self-sufficiency over it, you need to not be doing it alone. Really, everybody has mentors. Everybody has yeah, teachers. Everybody has support. Adherence and that. Yeah, yeah for ed- and, <coughs> and for the third one, which is competence, which is a, a different word for education because they want to make it sound cute with an ABC. Nice. Um, one of my clients quite cleverly changed it to ACE, A-C-E, Autonomy, Community and Education. Actually, I'd want the C that first. That makes more sense. I'd want, I want education first, I think. Yeah. It, well, no, the autonomy is you, good. You, you could, no, you could argue which, I mean, which one's more important. All, let's say. They, they've only used these words to make it an ABC. Yeah. Course, autonomy, belonging, and competence. A well, little anagram of yeah. yeah. So it's you, you could argue it which way around. I completely agree. But but you said people can't get away with doing this thing without education. And my immediate thought was, you're right. That is one of the prerequisites to success. If you don't know what you're doing, you can't firstly, do it. No, you can't do it. And you can't do it alone. You can't mm. have autonomy over it if you don't know what you're damn yeah. well doing. And that that comes down to the very difficult human problem of accepting 
your own responsibilities and whatnot in the event. Let's let's say, for example, that I was put in a really shit situation where I was, say, run over by a car and to say and got like and was hospitalised for ages and got really fat and had some other health complications. It's that basically through no fault of my own got handed just a shit deal, right? Mm. Sure, not my fault. Shit that I've got to deal with it. Um, but regardless of. <sighs> What's happened has happened, and it's happened to me, and I can't change that, but I can then choose how I decide to go forward with that, because yes, I can wallow, yes, I can do this, that, and the other, and that might make me feel better immediately to get pity off people, but that doesn't actually benefit me in any way, and it feels a lot nicer, and this was a thing I used to have to talk about with clients all the time, like, um, oh, but it hurts to do this, that, and the other, and it's like, yeah, but it's not benefiting anyone other than you, and you've got to just stick with it, and... It, like, like that's what it comes back to the education, knowing that it will that you that it will work, kind of thing. Trusting the process, because um, if you like, like the accumulation, like we're saying, walk, going for a walk doesn't do much. Eating five hundred calorie deficit for one day doesn't do much. Doing those two things every day with a week, day off on the weekend for a month, you'll change your life, and you've lost two and a half kilos. Yeah, you could do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you know? could do. Um, and it's no, it's knowing that so that you know that day one isn't one day of just randomness that you're going to try and do better today. It's day one because you've calculated, you've reverse engineered, you've looked ahead into the future and gone, I know that by September I want to have lost this much weight, that much weight correlates to this many calories, and that many calories correlates to this much split across a seven day week deficit that then means that if I just stick to that, I will have lost that much weight by the end of it. And if that sounded too complicated, if you're a listener at home, it's because education, the first step, isn't there yet. Not that that's a bad thing. Ignorance is allowable. I don't know anything about anything outside of this subject. <laughs> so I'll let you off if you don't know it already, but that's what you need to know. If what I've just said is complicated um, or sounds like something you don't understand yet, don't try and lose weight yet. Figure out what it fucking means because you need to know it going in. If you don't have that because it just makes life so much less stressful if you can sit back and know that the what might feel like a half-arse approach that you're doing is on paper exactly enough to be doing because you know enough is a perfect amount it's what you it will get you what you want without taking you to a point that you're just miserable unnecessarily kind of thing do you know yes i understand exactly what you mean so it's about efficiency and it's about doing the right things and it's yeah. about it, do, it does help people if yeah. they understand the reasons why they're doing something again it appeals to your instincts and emotions as well like if you want a child to do something it's good it's a good idea to tell them why this thing's important and to actually have, give an actual explanation and reason and humans yeah. are just the same aren't they yeah. people 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 are better at doing things if you know what you're going to get out of it especially yeah. when more people are like me than are like you where most people don't like training and i don't like healthy eating maybe some people do i don't know how you feel but i don't like exercise i don't really like healthy eating i do like pizza mm -hmm. and i do like just sitting around all day mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. doing naff all i do um, but i don't do much of those things i don't do much of those things but it's understanding the reasons why and what that's actually going to bring me by making these different changes that is the only reason why I do it even down to again I do like talking about words and I do like language because you are a wordsmith <laughs> unlike I <laughs> um, even the word motivation comes from the word motive mm. and what is the motive behind something <clears throat> that's true that's that, nice that's why you do and it and I love that because that's an actual practical 
reverse engineering of the word. Yeah. It's like, well, look, that's what it means. Yeah, mo- motivation Figure comes from motive. Yeah. Mo- what's your motive? Your motive is your reason behind doing something. Let's see, if so if you want motivation, the, you yeah. need to understand why you're actually doing it. Do you want to eat healthy? No. But do you want to be healthy? Live longer, have better energy levels, be less stressed, have your food under control, oh, not yeah. have your knees hurt. All these, yes, 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 you do. All right, then and again, eat the damn vegetables. That, that's something that people would probably still take as an option, and that's when they think that the that that comes with eating like being miserable. They would probably still choose to eat being miserable and be healthy and look the way that they want and f- and look good, um, because they don't think that you can eat what you want and and still look how you want kind of thing. You can, you just have to put in effort in other places. Yeah, you have to put in effort in other places. You have to be balanced, you have to do something somewhere, and then you can get everything you want if you're willing to do it. Yeah, you just have to, like I said, educate yourself and know that what you are eating is fine. And I think, like the way that I personally approach that, like I don't monitor calories at the minute, I don't uh, monitor even protein intake or something like that, I just do, I just exist, and just constantly (laughs) have like a bit I of just a, exist. I just exist I just exist and try and constantly take like a biofeedback from everything in life like like a constant like little um like imagining that my nutrition and my health and my training is like a little case study that without any uh, actual like exam conditions or anything I'm just trialing and error in different things and yep. like constantly being aware of what I've done this day and how that's affected and you just kind of build up and I do that with clients as well within within the realms of this is the best thing that we could do for you I try loads of different things with yep. different clients so that I can do my own testing like a different like a little scientist because it, it's not affecting them it's in fact, it's affecting them positively because it's giving them, it's letting me research so that I can figure out if things are working or not, so that I can then apply them back to the training and make it good. And that's the only way you're going to personalize it, really. Exactly. And it. the thing, the only reason that I'm able to progress like that and and go into uncharted waters is because I know the possibilities, the probabilities, the science behind what I can expect to find in those uncharted waters because it's just the same as what I already know, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like like I'm saying, it's the education. Like I'm not going forward blindly. I'm not saying, oh, client, you can't do this. Try this and oh shit, they've snapped their back. I'm doing in a split second, weighing, like I was saying to you earlier, weighing up all the options and I know that you doing this won't, like all the things considered, it's not going to be unhealthy for you, it's not going to be unsafe, it is going to be beneficial, and even though it's weird, it's going to work kind of thing. And then that, if you kind of put those questions to it, is it specific to this client? Is is there a possibility that that could hurt them? You know, is it actually beneficial? If you're if you've educated enough in the industry for for the thing that fits those three sort of criteria to be anything, not even an exercise that's ever been invented before, it works. It works because, yeah. and that's just how you become that person that then starts creating the exercise. And that's why I always try and teach people to learn biomechanics, which is just how for people listening at home, the muscles work on the skeleton as a leverage system to provide movement. And then in the gym, you know, how to lift things and stuff, how it works as a, as a pulley system. If you can learn how that works, you don't need to know any exercises. You just need to be able to know that the pec does this and the bicep does this. So if I apply resistance to this direction and move my joint in this way, then I've trained chest. And that's how, at the minute, I'm able to train my upper body in Enclif with honestly no limitations. There's not one thing that I'm missing out on there. It's just different. I'm just not lifting actual weights. I'm just, and that's what I'm talking about, about changing your goals to the 
things that you have available to you and fitting your um, environment. Like it would be easy if you rock, rocked up to Encliffe Park with no idea of what you could do with the, I'm talking about the little rig setup that they've got there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With no idea of what to do, what you could do there, anything, or how muscles work or anything, you're probably gonna do push-ups and pull-ups and then be stuck for yeah. ideas, right? If you know, um, first of all, how the body wants to be trained, so say take for example upper body, and say you'll we'll split that into vertical push-pull, horizontal push-pull, and isolation for like lat raises, that's what um, I was thinking when you said earlier about the biomechanics thing. I was thinking I teach people the planes of motion. Exactly. What you just said there. Exactly. Not, not necessarily what muscles do what, but if you want to cover your upper body evenly, then yeah. you need to do something that's like a this type of thing, something that's a this type of thing, something that pulls. Yeah, see, I, I do try and, try and teach them what muscles do what. And also because I think it's quite... And, and again, I think this is a bit of an ignorant thing from my point of view because for all the things that I struggle with and don't understand... Um, and like say in school, the one thing that I do is just a, a second language to me is biomechanics, um, physics, and like the physics of mechanic kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. it is easy for me, but I think the say the exercises, for example, they're so obvious as to it, again, if you know how muscles work, in that they can only pull, they can't push, mm-hmm. they're just fibers, mm-hmm. they run in a certain way. I always get my app out that has the muscles on it, and I say, you see this guy, you see how his latissimus dorsi, you see the way that the, the, the they've drawn the muscle fibers, imagine that that's string, and that you yeah, pulled that string, it, and yeah. you tightened it, what the fuck, what would happen? It's gonna shoot your arm down like that. So now if you add resistance to that, that plane of motion, you're training the lat. Mm-hmm. You don't need to, it doesn't need to be a quote-unquote lat exercise. Mm-hmm. If you're loading in the right position like that then you're doing that if you've learned how these planes move and you've learned how and also like the exercise the exercise names of things like if you're doing a um like lat pull down or something odds are that's probably going to train your lats right mm-hmm. and then the only time that, that starts getting like hairy is when you've got like a lat raise as well which yeah, is annoying because yeah. that stands for lateral not latissimus and that yeah, trains yeah. your delt but yeah. again it, there are the specifics of it but most like say names of an exercise you could also are just side li- raise though Huh? You could also call it side raise if you didn't want to get confused between and again, the same and thing, line, couldn't you? Because then it's and, and then a description the of what it is. Because all exercises, the names of them are just a description of what it is. Like if I'm doing yeah. like a unilateral half kneeling kettlebell press. Yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, you know exactly what that is <laughs> I do because I've just is. described it. All yeah. their names are is a description you told of the You told me basically what every joint is doing. I could tell you to get into that position right now and you'd do it perfectly. Yeah, of course. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you'd just know, wouldn't you? Yeah, because it's, it's just, it is a, it's a list of the instructions kind of thing. And if you start thinking about it like that, and you start, and, and the way I kind of look at it is it's, you're just zooming out because so many people are just terrified by the idea of the specifics behind things. And they're always asking, that I, you've probably found this with clients as well, that the issue isn't often like, the, the issue is that they're just asking the wrong questions, if that makes sense. Like, they'll okay, ask a yeah. question and you're like, and you kind of do that, um, and then I've just started saying, I, li- I like where your head's at, but it's the wrong question you're asking. You shouldn't be asking, can I eat bread? You shouldn't be asking, um, what's the best exercise for chest? Because my answer to every time is going to be, well, what's your goal? Yeah. Okay. You know, what, what's the yeah. best exercise for chest? It depends what your, your chest goals are. Do you want to be able to bench a lot? Because then it's probably bench. Do you not care? Do you just want to be able to have a nice chest? Then maybe it's something else like flies or something. But even then, that's good for one reason. That's good for another. And that's what I mean. There's it just so on, many rabbit holes. Your injuries. And yeah, there's so many rabbit holes you can shape. get down. That the only real option at the end of all of it is to vocationally 
and liberally educate yourself as much as you can across all the facets of the industry and then just be good at it. And again, because... <laughs> and then just be good at it. Then just be good. Be good at it. <laughs> just but, be but, and again, I know it sounds... It may sound like such an arsehole. I sound so ignorant saying it. But again, it's because... It, it does, it makes sense, like the way that things work and the way that things progress, it is all logical. Like when I'm giving a client an exercise like stiff leg and I don't do it as, as um, all at once as this, but you know, my cues are screw feet into the floor, get your knees wide, set your hips, neutral spine, thoracic extended, brace your lats and then break from the hips first. I'm glad you don't do all that at once. Exactly, imagine <laughs> if I did. Yeah. But that is what they need to do all at once and I teach it them one by one yeah. and then they always are like, it's just so much to think about and I'm like, but it does all go hand in hand. Everything that you're doing promotes doing the other bit of te technique quality that I'm saying. So once you've done it and once it makes sense, you will not want to do it any other way. It's the way that it wants to be done. All the technique cues that I'm giving you, they all produce, they all promote the next technique cue. So it does snowball. It sounds hard initially, but the first principle of the first thing that you'll learn will be the exact same as the last thing you'll learn, you know? So it's, and, and it'll, it'll compound, like it'll be slow to start with and you'll stress about like, I don't understand, like I thought that would be a bicep exercise, how when you do this, that and the other, but if you actually start sticking with it and learning, you'll start figuring out and being like, oh yeah, that makes sense because it couldn't not, you know? Yeah, so what you're doing there is you're basically teaching people through the education to have autonomy over the process. Exactly, yeah. So you're hitting the, and you're supporting them through it. So you're hitting that ABC, which is why it's successful. This is literally how it should be designed. You're educating them to have autonomy. Yes. And supporting them through that and giving them the education. That hits all three, the autonomy, the community, and the education. You just like psychoanalyze my entire business in like a no, second. that's the only reason why the training works. That's why you get good results yeah. for people. Um, yeah. And, um, all through this, I'm thinking, shit, you take this strength training thing serious. I take um, it so seriously, bro. But you should see the library in my fucking um, locker at uh, work of all my clients' books um, <laughs> that have just got the most specific notes in them ever. <laughs> like, like you, just, you know, like, or just so... And then that, but that's the nice thing about it, like, um, if one of my clients ever listens to this, this will be funny. Hey clients, you know this, I don't ever plan your sessions uh, It's super in advance before our sessions. I arrive 15 minutes early and write it down there and I don't know what your session is coming in um, often. Usually what I do is I walk in, I open your book, look at the page before and immediately know what your program is because the next logical step, I don't need to have programmed it I don't need to have seen any, you could rip out all the pages before that last page. All I need to know is that last page and then I program off that. Not because there's a program that I need to remember and bring to the front of my mind, not that it jogs my memory, not that I re retain it in my head 24 seven, just in a way that it, I see it and I know what needs to come next, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense, yeah. And that's where I'd want to get people to. Yep. Yeah. It makes perfect sense, yeah, because you can see what they did last time, so you know how much weight they're going to be using. Yeah. And, what volume and then within that, do, there's, you know, there's different ways, whether opposites. it's the weight, the reps, the tempo, the whatever version of progression you're going to make. Yeah. It's just, it's already obvious by looking at it because of the education you've had before it. Yeah, it's poor personal training to design someone a 10-week exercise program. Oh, fuck that's that a dumb guy. That's a dumbass idea. I'll be the guy that hits that guy. <laughs> because it takes the person, this is what, there's only new personal trainers do that who don't really know what they're doing. When you, when you get better, you, you, can, you just design the program 
for the clients, like you're saying, more as you're going through it because oh, yeah. you, you're working on a certain thing and you know where you're trying to get to and you're giving them the logical steps. In, only only somebody without good mindfulness on real life would think, oh, in eight weeks, you'll be able to do exactly this for this many reps. Exactly. No, you won't because one day they'll come in and they'll be tired and they just won't want to do that. Or have you them. ever done much like powerlifting programming? No. It's so hard, bro. No. Because to, to you, know, you, you do have to program a progressive overload scheme for like 12 weeks if but you, also if hardcore athletes yeah 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 yeah. but you also yeah. have to uh, put into it like you're saying an element of uh, just constantly like a fail safe a safety net has to be there always for what if it goes wrong this day and this client can't do this because of just not slept well. an external yeah. factor that i can't change and don't hold against them because it's external you know it's really and, that, and that's a nice way to, to program that's all i always program when I pro- write programs, I always write the program on Excel and then write a covering letter to it on Word or Publisher or whatever that explains the program. And in fact, what I do is I list the exercises and the goal of the exercise per each. Okay. So yeah. like say, my last program I wrote, there's two squat days in it a week. And on squat day one, the goal is power production and maximum load shifted yeah. so that they can then reverse engineer that and know that they need to be as efficient as possible, wear a belt, wear knee sleeves, just anything that they can do to promote as much maximal loading as possible, they know that's the goal for that day. Whereas then their second day is programmed as high bar tempo, pause squats, everything about them designed to just be more of a hypertrophy exercise for the quads. So I'm saying the goal here is to hypertrophy the squat, it's to hypertrophy the quads, not to improve the squat. So change your technique to make it weaker. You don't want to hypertrophy, you want to fatigue yourself, so you're gonna remove the belt so you can't lift as much. Immediately that's not gonna fatigue you as much. Remove the sleeves, same thing. Um, make it high bar, mechanics are harder, you can't lift as much. Go lower, and all of a sudden you've created an exercise that we, without removing any level of difficulty and without um, compromising on hypertrophy, which just means muscle growth, you are like compromising on fatigue rates, which means that it's just healthy because you're not running yourself into the floor. You're not, say you're squatting 150 on your heavy day and then only 100 on the other day. That's not going to fatigue you, but it is going to hypertrophy the quads still, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Uh, I I just like listening to you. Have we been talking for four hours yet? Uh, No, 61 minutes, not bad. No, that's not too bad. Um, One thing, the other thing I've been thinking about through all of this, through all of your lovely speech, was that we just train completely different people. You know when you said about the stiff leg deadlift and all the cues? Yeah. My clients don't give a shit about stiff leg deadlift. Mine never did. I've changed my clients. All my clients, I've just changed their goals. All my clients, what I've done with them is put in front of them the, the possibility of how exciting exercise is and how exciting it is, how fun it is to be strong at stuff and then let them get there on their own. And then all of them have got to a place where they get to the gym and they're just like, oh, I'm looking forward to doing stiff leg today. I'm gonna hit this. You know, like I'm saying, I'm coming into the gym and I'm training this today for this many reps. Clients coming in knowing that, you know, there's people have different mindsets. Some come in with a bit of anxiety towards it. I usually do when I know I've got a squat 150. But again, I know how to bail a squat. I've educated myself and know that nothing can go wrong. They know, because I've educated them, that nothing can go wrong. The only worst scenario that can come out of that session is that they leave the same person that they came in as. You know, like you've, you you taught me that um, sometime in the past. And, and yeah, they've all got there on their own and it's lovely to see it is I just kind of harp on, harp on, just annoy them for years about how fun it can be to be strong and teach them how to be strong, teach them how to be proficient so that they can be strong. 
and use that technique to lift big weight and work close to their um, their potential, you know, and then that's where people start enjoying it, is what I found. Yeah. But yeah, you definitely work more with people that just don't want to exercise. They, they would want to lose weight. Well, I think that's a real testament to you, though, because you've obviously, you're Thank obviously you. imparting your enthusiasm of this into other people. And that's one of the things I love about people. Like, I don't really care what people do. I just, if somebody's super into something and they're amazing at it and they love it, I'll listen to them talk about Hell it. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> it's just contagious. Yeah, enthusiasm's infectious. Yeah, and you, you're imparting that on other people. And I, I try and do that a little bit too. Um, like, when people have a consultation with me, um, at the minute, usually it's phone or video, isn't it? Because it's... Yeah. Um, Death. The pandy, etc. Um... Sometimes people will finish the conversation with me and they'll say, oh, I'm really excited to get started now. That sounds really good. And I think, bloody hell, then we're doing something right because yeah. you're excited yeah. to what? You're, you're excited this. for pain. This is awful. Let's go. Um, I'm talking about dieting now. So yeah, that kind of pain, just like just, not eating. Yeah, it's yeah. like, we're going to, well, we're going to be, it's like, uh, if you're excited, that's great. Mm-hmm. We're, doing, we're doing something really right Get back there. in a week. Yeah. We're doing something really right there. What I was going to say about different clients, though, is... Yeah, sorry, I interrupted there. No, it's okay. Um, we train different clients in the way of their goals maybe like i i would get somebody probably to perform similar exercises to what you do squats stiff or roaming yeah. deadlifts this that but with a little things. bit of a different approach like more of a circuit more of a yeah not a circuit um yeah i'll yeah. not put you it, in that category uh no i do circuit training with some people yeah, um, do, yeah like a series of four exercises like press up dumbbell row and again that's where the squat. specificity of that comes in because if i were to give you bench dips wide grip pull-ups and close grip pull-ups as a suit as a, as a circuit you could immediately explain the problems with that whereas the what you've probably got in your head is probably along, along the lines of something like a one-legged hip thrust into a split squat then a stiff leg then abduction things that have like scientific merit behind yeah. why you would do four of them back to back as a you know and then it's just not a stupid decision yeah because they've got varied goals my clients their goals are not only to be stronger but they want to get their fitness up yeah. they want to try and burn a few calories in the session so i want them to do more exercises keep moving i want them to get out of breath keep going around it so yeah sometimes like you just said a leg circuit sometimes two for the upper body two for the lower body that is interesting yeah we, we definitely off. have different approaches there. yeah yeah it's different people this is what i'm talking about and i would get, like i would get people to do a stiff leg deadlift but i would give them three i call i don't even call it stiff leg deadlift i call it stood up hip thrusts nice because i teach yeah, that's how i teach people as well yeah, yeah because i teach people hip thrust usually before romanian deadlift because it's easier to understand and do yeah and then so i'm trying to keep it simple for them i'm giving them simple names i tell them just to bend the knees a little bit and then freeze your knees and then just move your bum backwards and forwards you've got you, that's basically it, it, it. those things just take time to hone but you really do have to figure out how, how to how to cue people yeah, and it's you? different for each client and like, well. like, like you say you do just trial and error it you just cue and cue and cue different ways until yeah. enough people have responded well to one of them mm-hmm. and then that becomes your script going forward doesn't it yeah but a lot of my clients goals aren't even necessarily to like be strong so would i get them to do that same strength training exercise yes but i might be saying to them what you know like you, you write the exercise and then the goal their goal might be better posture it might be mm-hmm. less lower back ache nice. it, it might be you know, just millions of different goals. That is, I think that's millions somewhere where goals. I fall short in what I do is is for, for for how much I like to draw on perspective and consider things like that. I am bad for it in my industry because um, because of the because there is a best option, if that makes sense. So, like, it's hard to describe. So, say for example. Most of the clients that I start with, um, and I mainly have female clients, they yeah, they don't have. Some of them do have strength goals, but they don't. They wouldn't say I want to be 
stronger, you know? Okay. I take that upon myself because you're going to get stronger either way. You're never going to hate it. You're never going to not like being stronger than you are because it's not going to come with that much actual muscle mass. And so what I do is I take the approach that they do want, the hypertrophy, and I just also tailor it to making them stronger as well because I know that that's what people like. And I also, like, like I was saying earlier, in a split second, it's that toss-up of, there's nothing negative about being stronger. It's only positive. Um, there's nothing you could really dislike about it. It's not going to make you look jacked. It's not going to this, that, and the other. So I'll take it upon myself to start making them stronger and then just sort of wait until they start falling in love with it themselves. And then I don't have to worry about it anymore, you know? Uh, and that's a nice way. To, and, and same with what you were saying as well about when people, like like a 10-week program type thing. Um, when people used to come up to me and say that, it proper flustered me. I'd be like... I can, yeah, I can give you a program, but I might as well write it in Chinese, you know, it's like, you're not going to be able to do anything with it. And that, so now I've realized that like that program, pro, a 10 week program is 10 weeks worth of seeing me twice a week. That is a 10 week program. If yeah. you want to buy a 10 week program, it costs 350 quid and it's going to be 10, uh, like one hour sessions. And that is the, the program. But at the end of it, they'll be able to and train the pro- on their own. It, bro. Yeah. Like, and cause that's the thing. Like, they'll know exactly what's going on. That, why that doing, comes with doing, my, how to adjust it. Yeah. Cause as I th- say that, like it comes with, with certain prerequisites that I expect from people. I never expect people to work, walk through the door, strong, mobile, motivated, and um, flexible, stable, or anything because if they did I wouldn't have a fucking job but I do expect them to walk through the door on time with <laughs> the right attitude ready to learn ready to fucking listen because when people don't listen it pisses me off because you've just given me this much money specifically to listen to the words in, in my brain listen please you know if I was to come to your vocation and know that that's what you do that's where I submit I know nothing about this, which is basically whenever I set, step foot outside of the gym. <laughs> I'm immediately not in my comfort zone. Uh, yeah, but when you're in the gym, accept that the best thing that you can do is just submit to me. And I, I get that that's... <laughs> there's a, a weird thing to say. I know, I know, I know. Submit, submit to, to me. me. Submit And that's why I always look them in the eyes and say... <laughs> oh my God. Especially the males, they look... Submit <laughs> to me. And you know, yeah, just... <laughs> If there's a trust that comes with that. I don't think we can carry on. <laughs> there is a trust that comes with that. You're fucking right. <laughs> Submit to me. But it, it happens. You see, it happen fast though with certain clients, like because they do respect that. Like I'm, I always get told off by the other PTs for being too much of a dick to my clients. Like I don't um, praise them enough. But the reality of it is, is that I'm just honest. And the honest fact of it is, like, like when I, someone comes in and they think they're doing shit initially after that when they're doing stiff leg they're doing so much better like say we've been working on stiff leg for 15 minutes and they haven't done a single rep right yet and it's their first session ever they're going to be stretching and thinking they're having a bad time but the reality is is that they've progressed brilliantly in the last 15 minutes and i've asked them to do something that they've never done before and it's probably the hardest thing that they'll ever learn to do in the gym um the reality is I don't expect you to be good at these things. Don't, I, what in, in me and what in other personal trainers thinks puts them on a pedestal that they can expect people to be good at things? That's like a personal trainer walking in, walking onto an F1 track or something and be like, what, you don't know how to drive at 180 miles an hour consistently always with perfect technique? What? If they did, they wouldn't be coming to see you. Exactly, you know? So personal trainers that go in with that logic, fuck off. That's not the way you go. You, you start in a place where it's just you're building up and then what, and that, what that puts you in is a position where 
you're not praising clients that often because it does take a while to get good at things but when they actually do start doing well the praise that you give them is delivered with such sincerity and honesty that it's appreciated so 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 much and that's what I found with all my clients is that at least the way I perceive it from my point of view is that I'm very honest with them and they know when they fucked up and they appreciate when they've done well that much more which because of the feedback they get from it which which I do as a psychological sort of uh, I do it to kind of manipulate them into snowballing that effect because they know that they strong words here Sub- submit to me manipulate <laughs> the client well you know in, in a way that p- purely benefits them like I know that if, if, if I'm if I'm only if I <laughs> only praise them, you for your own good. If I only praise them when they absolutely have Holy done shit. something that needs praise, then they're gonna want to do that more, and then and they're gonna want to progress more. And that's coming, you know, that needs to be said from a point of view of I don't, I don't think it's bad when people have bad technique and this that, and the other because again, assuming that they're always working to the best of their ability, I'm never gonna be angry at them. I'm never gonna be anything other than perfectly reasonable with them. Um, and I'm going to praise you for trying, but once you do that well and correctly, and you get the praise for it, that's you know that's when you first see that like oh shit yeah I'm, I've made Will happy. That's all I've wanted to do for a while because he doesn't get happy because he's an annoying miserable prick. And you know that works for people. That does work for people. It motivates them. Yeah, it does. I think I'm just nicer than you. You are a lot nicer than me. I think I'm just nicer You're than you because I'm positive about everything. Like if somebody messages me saying that they've been eating shit for the last three weeks, the first thing I think is, well, it's amazing that you've messaged me. That's positive number one. Again, I, I don't want to get down this route. I'm not like. like if, some, uh, if, some, if someone's there doing a Romanian deadlift and they're doing it wrong, number one, I'm happier in the gym. This is it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, well done. Like, that's what I'm saying. You have to understand that it's coming. That is all before what I'm saying. And it's never criticism. It's never criticism I give people. One of, the, one of my least favourite words is but. Because personal trainers love to do that. That was awesome, but... That's this. me. And that's... No, that's what... That's that, me. No, because no, I'll, I'll give you a list of why it was awesome. I'll say, number one, thank you for coming. Every, every, after every set. Okay. I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. And I'm the creepy one. You're like, <laughs> number two, good try. You did the right amount of reps. Yeah. Number three, I liked it how your heels did yeah. not come off the floor. Number yeah. four, I liked it how you, you bent your knees at the correct amount and then left them. We're talking stiff leg deadlifts, yeah. Romanian deadlifts. I like how your knees were in the right position. You didn't quite go back if this is the thing they didn't do. Yeah. I'll, and then we'll talk about the thing they didn't do. I'll say, if this, if you didn't move your hips back far enough, maybe. So next time, what we'll try and work on is this. But I like how you also kept your spine straight. You kept your head up. You were looking the right direction. I saw your breathing was good. And it's, thank you for being here once again. Yeah. And everything about that is perfect, other than the word but. And it's literally just that. If you said, said instead of but, if you said, instead, because the thing is, if when you list... For a non-linguist, you love semantics, you don't you? Well, it's not semantics, it's psychology. It's if you, li- if you give a list of something, Connor, I like your slippers, your trousers, and your shiny little head, but immediately, it doesn't matter what I've just said, you're focusing on the, but what's the negative? You um, you don't care about what's good. Because no, it doesn't no, sound, good. because want, it I, sounds like I'm just breaking the ice with a good thing. So what you should say is, I, about I like, like this, personally, this. I Well, agree. like say with the stiff leg, like, I want them so to instead of the butt, it should be, you grip the ground really well with your feet. I really like the way you break from the hips first. And if you breathe a little better and use your lats more, it'll be perfect. <laughs> Nothing about that negative I see now. What you did but there. now imagine if it was. I see if you, you grip the ground. I, I really like the way the grip ground with the feet. I really like the way that you break from the hip first. But if you did this, it would be good. 
all of a sudden then it sounds like I'm telling them off. Well, I think if you change the last word to perfect like you did in the yeah, first one, but it then it's a fair retest. You know? mm, I think it's the same. Do you know what I mean? Mm, it's yeah, not. I don't know. That sounds roughly the There's same. There's some good me. studies done on it. It's not the same. And even if they do only notice the negative, I think that's okay because that, the that is the thing that I wanted them to talk about. The rest of it, I was just softening the blow. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's, it's, the, it's the psychology behind softening the blow. It's Because when people hear but, they don't hear anything else. They don't hear what they've done well. They just hear the but. And like you say, that's good. That's what they want to focus on. Yeah. But there's different ways to getting someone to focus on it rather than a sort of destructive way that makes them introspectively just think that they're doing shit. Rather than a but, do this better, it's a... And if you could do this, it'd be perfect, you know? And then that's a, oh, cool, I'm doing well. I'll just, I'll do what I'm already doing, but focus on this and then it'll be awesome. And it, it, it's, it's mad how much of a practical effect that actually has on people. It sounds very aloof and ethereal and just not real, no, but I it is. It it's very, sense. very psychologically real. I think it makes that. sense. Yeah. And I... Um, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. Yeah, I, 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 agree. It. I agree with you. I think that's interesting and important. And I wouldn't... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I would say the same language to anybody every single time like it's a script or anything anyway. Sometimes mm. I would say that. Sometimes I would probably say I, I would phrase it the way that you phrased it. Definitely. Uh, yeah, Definitely. there's little things like, and it's never going to be phrased the same, but yeah, like it's, it's the kind of the words that they have the negative connotation behind them kind of mm. thing. Like, it's, it you could sit sense. there and figure them out, but you, but you know them when you hear them kind of thing you know i can't i can't stop noticing you saying the word but ever now exactly every time you say it in a sentence i'm thinking where's the negative <laughs> because it always is it's always a but yeah because and the way that those sentences are usually constructed is, is some element of truth that's been elaborated on to soften the blow so again i like the way you did oh, really good but and people on a subconscious level, they pick up on that. They they won't look at you and think, he's just said that to soften the blood. They won't think that, but on a subconscious level, they just move past what you said as the positive because you've said the word but and just focus on the negative. Which, again, when you're considering the relationship between the client and the PT, regardless of the there and then, what needs to happen, how they need to learn that exercise, my bigger goal is just the rapport going forwards so that next time when they come in and I tell them in my own words that that technique needs to be better as well, it doesn't compound and I'm not saying but every time I'm not putting a negative barrier in front of myself they don't see me as a negative Nelly and again that's never something that usually come from a co conscious point of view from them but it'll slowly start manifesting as uh, you know I don't want to go to the gym Will just makes me train hard he's, he's never particularly satisfied and happy with what I do yeah. kind of thing. And, th and then it's the balance between like not just being an arsehole where I'm not praising yeah. you it's just being genuine about your praise yeah. You know, and that's that's where this immense respect is developed. Where clients just they start to be like, well, look, if if Will treats me with this much, he respects me like this. He tells he's truthful and tells me when I'm doing something wrong and needs to be better in a productive way, and he praises me to the moon and back, which I do when when I do when they do well then they just submit. <laughs> they just g give me their brain and they just walk through the door as a blank canvas every time and excited to learn. And that's just, that's the kind of place that, and there is manipulation there. There is a lot of me trying to control those clients to get that outcome that I want out of them. But again, it is, it's productive. It's, it's not malicious um, manipulation, you know, it's, it's productive, it's for them, you know. Which is, it, it does put a weird, strain on the kind of the brain of the PT um, but yeah it's definitely beneficial 
Well, I can tell you're thinking through every single freaking variable as much as you possibly can, so that will put a strain on your brain, definitely. Um, one of my number one goals is always not to stress out the client if it's personal exactly. training. So, you know, if, we, if I am teaching somebody a Romanian deadlift or something, a stiff leg deadlift, mm-hmm. I only usually give them one cue at a time or two or something like this. And if they're not getting it after three tries stop it yeah time. i just won't i just won't carry on because does it happen to you with specifically stiff leg actually is a good example i usually do this with a, with a client when they're first learning stiff leg get them to try it they can't do it at all spend 15 minutes on it they can get close to doing a nice rep with their brain working at 110 percent. and then i go right call it we're not doing any working sets because you'll compound on it you'll start over analyzing it and you'll lose it but we'll come back to it a week later you'll pick it up and you'll you'll find you about for three minutes with shit technique and then it'll be good and then the time after that we do sets for the first time and it works that's how that works for for some people it can be like that can't they there's also those magical clients where you just every time sometimes you just say right i want you to just i'll just show you and then i want you to do this this and this and and they do it better now you try and they just do it perfectly and you're like oh my god yeah yeah (laughs) this is gonna be fun yeah yeah Yeah. some some people just do it don't they but yes some people it takes them Stages. I use that specific example of that exercise because it's one of the hardest to do in terms of technique that like a normal person in the gym should. Learn. I didn't even learn that's, that till that's not like a year ago. I'd say probably anything crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's the difficult. other really hard thing to teach is that stiff leg specifically and other exercises: stiff leg, squat, bench, lat pull. You know, generally compound stuff, but some specifics of them they really need a bit of weight on the bar before you can start even understanding them. Like I, I, I didn't. I wasn't stiff legging properly until I started doing it with 100 kilos um, because I, I didn't, there wasn't enough weight on the bar to pull me into that position. The mechanical tension that my muscles held, the elasticity in them was more than the weight that was on the bar kind of thing. So I really wasn't able to actually focus on the training. Whereas when there was enough load behind the bar to have something to resist against and feel, you can start to understand the technique a lot more. And that's what clients say as well. like once you get to that point and that's why it's so important to build on the technique first because if you are stronger than you are proficient i.e if you're you'll get hurt well because the thing is if we think about whether your goal is muscular hypertrophy so again growing muscles to look aesthetic or your goal is muscular strength to be stronger either way you need to be training somewhere near close to or at failure that failure is muscular mechanical failure not technical failure you need to reach like concentric failure in an exercise of like a squat if you have for what goal sorry uh, for hypertrophy building muscle you need to be getting close to that threshold where your muscles are reaching failure if you are limited by your technique before you're reaching the effective reps then you're never going to get stronger if you're take for a power lifter if your technique is worse than your than you are strong at something every time you fail a lift will be because of a technicality that you can just choose to fix rather than the actual strength that you have in you which is what you're meant to be testing if you're a powerlifter you're testing how strong you can be why limit yourself by a by a technical proficiency that you could just with work and time decide to fix like strengthening your glutes working it on your erectors on your back whatever your technique fault is if your goal is to be technically if your goal is to lift heavy or to build muscle you need to get to a place where you can the only variable that you have to change is the strength because your technique is so good, so good week in, week out. The only thing that's left to change is the one last variable and that's the muscle. If 
you're a shit PT and you get a client immediately. So many of them love to do it. Like they'll wait till a client does an average at best rep of something and then go, sick, you can do it. Let's bang one rep max on and see what happens. You know? And then it's oh, like- I never do this, it's awful. So many of them do. And it, it tears, yeah, most tears personal me trainers are awful. Most, oh, yeah. I half agree with what you said and half don't agree with what you said. Mm. Um, I agree. Well, all right. The part I don't agree with was when you said you have to train to muscular failure for muscle Beginners, building. No. no, like if 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 somebody can do ten and they always do sets of eight and do progressive overload on sets, That's of eight, they'll still build two. muscle. So five reps, five reps off failure is what's considered the effective rep zone. If you're again, that's in trained people. In in you know in a, in a, in my okay. mum who I've just started training a new female with less ambitious goals than most people. And she's fifty six. She doesn't need to be training near failure to be. I'm just saying, it, just technically, it's not necessarily, and you don't have to go near failure. If you did a lot of volume at half, at fifty percent, whatever, RPE or whatever you want to call it, or reps in reserve or whatever, you'd still make gains. Less, definitely less. Yes, but not consistently. Would, it would it would stop after a bit. Um, depends if you kept with the progressive overload. But then it? you're training near failure. Um, no, not necessarily, because you could overload still at 50%. No, because what, ha- what happens then, and it's annoying, is you overload at 50% and you think you're progressing because you start lifting heavier, yeah. but you actually, you're not necessarily progressing in like, say, strength or anything, you're just lifting heavier and heavier until you get to your threshold and the actual strength neurological um, adaptations and muscular adaptations start taking place and then you start getting stronger from there. So usually what it is, is a little bit of results and it is a good idea still because it gives you a chance to practice technique, which hey, again... I'm not saying this is a good idea. This is a shitty idea. People should train harder than goddamn 50%. I was just saying on a technicality, yeah. well, if you the way didn't I go to failure, you'd still make gains. So if we, if we combine what we know about, say, um, new people starting at the gym, they don't need to train that close to failure um, to, Could see, be dangerous to see for, results. For newbie, exactly. Newbie. They don't need that much volume. They don't need True. to do that many what sets. exercise could be enough? Yeah. Um, and they don't need to lift that much weight initially. So what that, what does that present to us? That gives us, means that we can get through more in a session because they don't need to do as much of everything. So only two sets of things, that means I can teach them more. Yeah. Um, they don't need to train their failure, which means we can stay light, yeah. which means that they can, the third one, focus on technique. Yeah. So that after X, Y, Z amount of time, they've got to a position where their technique is awesome. They've still built muscle, even though they haven't been training in a particularly challenging rep range or uh, intensity, should I say. Um, they've still built muscle and, and now they're in a perfect position where they've got all of that, um, all of those reference points behind them of using lightweight and trial and error in different slight techniques per set that I've, I always tell them, think about this, that and the other. This is all the things you've done in the past. Always look at it like a little case study. You're just trying something different this set, see if it feels better and just start collecting information about yourself and the training and then you can start applying it back to the training and using it that way, you know? Yep, I'm sorry for that little bullshit call out I just did on you then. Uh, I just, about the, t- no, just no, no, no. it was just a bullshit technicality. Well, because, um, uh, so in, once you get to a point that you're like a trainee, so after like two years worth of training, if you're leaving five reps in the tank of something, you're probably not seeing any hypertrophic or strength value, I'd argue from it. Uh, I still don't agree. I think that's impossible to say. I think that's impossible. That there is a sliding scale. It like doesn't imagine, five, but imagine if I can bench a hundred kg. Yeah. Um, As in, are you talking one rep max? Um, for ten. Okay. A hundred. I can do a hundred kg for ten. Yeah. If I but and I usually do three sets. Yeah. Um, of ten. Yeah. 
Fair, by the way, if you can do that. I can't. I can't. This I'm is hardly, hardly handshake. If this that's is you. not true. I know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is not true. Because it's not true for me, and I'm supposed to be the strong one. No, I can't do that. No. Um, I'm just using round numbers to make it easier because I'm making this up on the fly. Yes. And and I'm, I'm only doing this for debate, so feel free if you think this is. No, no, I like it. This is why I don't mind. I, yeah, know, go, you, go I know you like the intellectual debate. But if I put on. 60 kg, even maybe 50 kg, half, but mm-hmm. instead of doing three sets of 10, I did 20 sets of 20, mm-hmm. I'd definitely build muscle. Yeah, but that's because you're not, then you're substituting volume for intensity. You're not yeah, actually that's, that's exactly, changing That's anything. exactly my point. So the load, that's what I'm saying, so the, the, whether, it, whether you're getting the intensity from load vol, or volume, it's still the, the practicality of training near that failure. Again, once you're a trained athlete, it does need to happen. No matter what rep range it happens in, you can reach failure at 30. Once you're a trained athlete, then I'll give it you. Yeah, you, 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 you can reach failure at 30. The only problem there is that it starts to become harder to distinguish what's muscular failure and what's um, mental failure. You just can't be arsed, you're bored, the pain in the muscle hurts, the supporting muscles have failed because they can't do 30 reps. And that's why you end up putting most people in a, rep range of 8 to 15 but only because it's a practical rep range it's a rep range where it's heavy enough that it's um it's heavy enough that it's limited your reps to like less than 15 so that you can be sure that that is what you're testing like say you're squatting if you did 30 uh, 30 reps of squat whatever weight you're doing that with to get 30 odds are by the time you're getting 30 it's not your quads that have failed it's your fucking lower back so that, that's why you don't use that exercise in that rep range you know, you, you stick yeah, to a practical. I reference. do know, yeah. Uh, so whether it's the intensity or the volume, the load, whatever, it does. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. That would still work for hypertrophy, getting down to sixty for twenty sets of twenty. But you know, I was just talking. If you went lighter, but you did a shitload, it'd still kill you. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not you're not changing anything. You're not actually changing much. You're only just substituting the load for more volume, which when that spits out as intensity is the same. Different results slightly. It's different, yeah, but it's just not close to failure, is it? I mean, yeah. If you, I mean, because the thing is, what? Because the question I want to ask is, you say you're 100 for three sets of 10, example. Like, what RPE is that in? And then what RPE is the okay. is the 60? Okay. You know? Yes, I do understand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, it boils. It's like what I'm saying when clients ask, not the wrong question, but just a. Uh, it needs a, it depends attached to it you know there's a lot that it depends on that question I agree which is why I'm sorry I brought it up <laughs> well that's it is it's just <laughs> in theory it doesn't matter if you're finding the intensity it doesn't matter if you're finding the relative closeness to failure from load or volume so long as you're getting there you're you're, 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 you're so long as you're getting near there you're seeing hypertrophic value is, is what I would say whether that comes from 20 at 60 in an RPE, say say twenty at sixty. It's, it depends on how you class in near to failure as well, doesn't it? Because if somebody doesn't, mind you, well, one, two, three, four, five reps in reserve is. High. I, I I so with clients, I um, teach them about reps in reserve. I understand what's going on here. So with clients, what I do with them, I always educate them as well about reps in reserve because generally, mm. the, all the studies show that anything more than five reps off complete failure doesn't tend to yield any hypertrophic value in trained subjects. And in that, in that five reps that you could see value in, there's the closer you get to failure, the more fatigue you have to experience as well. Uh, but the further away you are from failure, the less effective reps you have. So you need to find the balance between that. And usually that staggers throughout a session because you start heavy uh, on an exercise that's very fatiguing because of how heavy it is. And you leave three reps in the tank and only take a few um, actual 
uh, effective reps from that. But then by the end of the, say that's shoulder press, then by the end of the session, you're smashing lat raises, all of a sudden that's not systemically fatiguing, you only need a minute to rest with between it and you're only shifting 14, so you can do three sets of 15 with it. Um, because that is an easier exercise, less fatiguing, so you can hit those reps. Like that, 